I don't know these people yeah. at church. Um, <laughs> but then by the time I was hi- in high school, I started to go to youth group. And then, then like high school came. In high school, Hume Lake was a whole new scene for me. This is where I met an experience who was to be like my ultimate guru in like a myriad of ways. Oh, strap in for the <laughs> ride. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to No Small Thing, (laughs) the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Macy. Welcome to episode number 76. 76. 76. We're here on a Tuesday night, everybody. Talk closer to your microphone now. Oh, yeah. It's the old school way. Um, And tonight's topic, you clicked on it, so you know what it is. (laughs) But it is one we're pretty excited about. We picked it like three days ago, four days ago. But we're very pumped. The topic is gurus, mm-hmm. which I think to both of us very much is like something we've been thinking about lately. So it's a good one. What made you suggest it? You suggested it. I still want you to talk closer. Oh, mouth. no. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I know. It's old school. Kay. I mean, we, I guess we already in the three weeks time got used to the old way. I know. Here the new I am. One. It's very close to my mouth, yeah. everybody. This will sound richer and warmer for our voices, and we'll hear less of the outside. Yep. Whatever. Uh, okay, gurus. Um, this is... Well, I want to hear what you have to say, obviously, but uh, this is something that it was was not on my radar in my life. Like, I knew what a guru was or how mm-hmm. it was referenced. If I would have heard the word guru, I would have thought probably of, like, the wild, wild country, uh, Bogwan, you know? Mm-hmm. What else do they call him? Osho. Osho, yeah. Um, and I would think of like uh, the, I, I forget his name currently, but the guru that led the Beatles in the 70s or whatever. Yeah, interesting. Krishna or something like that, yeah. This is like hardcore revealing mm-hmm. our whiteness, westernness. Let's reveal it. Uh, you like, know, it's like... It's, it's like very exposed, yeah. just right there. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, an American, you know, bias in general, you know... Um, so yeah, its uh, origins are in secret. I sit before so you, so it makes like the Sikh tradition holds a lot of those like images that mm-hmm. you're naming. I guess I sit before you as an ignorant person. <laughs> you know, we both currently are. ignorant. Okay, okay, so yeah, um, so I, I I don't know how other people that are listening to this podcast grew up, but this is fresh off the top of my head. This isn't like notes here. I'm just even realizing right now that. Christianity or religion in general is set up to produce gurus. Okay, that's what I have to say right off the bat. Okay. I'm talking about guru in quotes as a concept, as like a philosophical, yes. sociological concept. The image of or the 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 model or the Yeah. So like guru has its origins in Sikh tradition and guru is like a teacher. It is like the tradition is some person who lives a spiritually like enlightened life that people follow. So then it gets assimilated into like Western culture. And so a teacher or a pastor is also like when we see a guru, they might like 
the words conflate. And so then we now have a different way to view guru. Like it's been appropriated. This is really good. Of guru. We're doing a little dance here. A little dance. We're doing a little dance of meanings because both, <laughs> both are true for the night. So everybody mm-hmm. knows as yeah, we're setting exactly. the table here. We're setting the table. <laughs> uh, I'm talking more candles. about the internal relationship that somebody establishes with a potential guru. Mm-hmm. So anybody can be a guru. And it doesn't even have to be an official leader. Anybody that you think has the answers or the secret to life uh, uh, in any way that you would then attach extra meaning to. Um like they have some sort of secret insight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, that's probably not a guru in the we're, sense of where the origin of it came from. But our like approach to it is to take a look at it. And I think this is to say that like now that we're adapting this word guru, like take a look at the people who you have kind of put in that role, maybe. Like without mm-hmm. realizing or not using that word, there's people that we have probably imposed or like thought of them as these guru type people without us even realizing maybe gotta stop and realize (laughs) okay and also if if the podcast if the mission is helping you live a more curious life less Mm -hmm. certain Mm -hmm. this is this is how it happens i think this is one of the ways it happens curious conversation is one Mm -hmm. just exploring meandering seeing where the conversation takes you that's one way to do it yeah another way is to pinpoint these things in your life that you you think are certain. So stop and ask yourself the question right now. And maybe the podcast is worth your time. Who are you in your mind right now? um, Superimposing some sort of supernatural knowledge on a human. Yeah. Yep. uh, That they have extra secret, special answers, you know? Yeah. And maybe it's a good exercise. Yeah. I don't know what I'd be thinking about if I was listening to this right now. I immediately <laughs> thought Susan Stabile. I'm like, oh, I oh, she I'm knows, like she Susan knows Stabile. the Enneagram. <laughs> All these Enneagram, you know, people. I think I probably it can dance around, maybe potentially making them gurus. Yeah, Susan yeah. Stabile for sure. I think this. Even Morgan Cron, I don't have that. I don't think he's a guru. We chose the we're, no, not in my <laughs> eyes at least. Um, we chose the topic gurus, which sets me off like on an emotional level because I like on a personal note to listeners, the last episode I really went off about yoga. I'm going to continue to do that, I guess. But in the past like six months, I started a new yoga practice and it's Kundalini yoga, which has a lot of its roots in the Sikh tradition. And so we use a lot of Sanskrit in our, like in our meditation and in the practice. And I am like a new learner, but I am becoming more aware of these words. And I have a whole different like, personal emotional relationship to even just the word guru since starting this practice it's because part of our practice is like this trusting that we are our own gurus and that like we are our ultimate teachers and a lot of like the things that are like chanted and used in mantra use the word guru and it's taken on like a very like solid meaning to me in like terms of like my own experience of self so I'm like, also guru is a big word in my heart. Mm. But I think we could also like could have titled this episode like gurus slash idols because we are Ooh. also mostly talking about this idea of like these people who we've like sat on a pedestal as like these like sacred teachers or mm-hmm. idols mm-hmm. and like what the relationship that that can do to us and them yep. and 
our relationship with the world. Like that's, that's good clarification. That, if like, somebody is like thing. wondering, like what what are you talking good about? Word. I think it's like gurus, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that word, but also like idols. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about that word? Well, I mean, we already have, but like yeah, y- you I have guess. your little, you have your little uh, speech. My little speech. You know? It's supposed to have a speech. But that sounded condescending. You know what I mean? It's not a long speech, is what I meant. No, but I think like the the root of the word guru where it comes from it's gu and ru which means dark and light mm-hmm. so it's guru and the like people who are called gurus is because they are the people who like who dispel the darkness and bring a person into light and so like in like so that's like where the word like the way we can understand the word i think that gives it it's like a truer understanding of it and when I, like, think about this idea of being my own guru and, like, I myself have all the knowledge that I need to bring myself from dark to oh, light. Oh, Like, there it's we go. very powerful. There we go. Um, yeah. And I think right then there could be some listeners. Who, and maybe it's not our crowd. Maybe our crowd doesn't think this way. But I have to, I have to say I have been on a pretty accelerated journey with this. So mm-hmm. just speaking, if I would have heard that a year ago, I would have thought... You can't be your own guru. That's some sort of heretical, dangerous. Mm-hmm. And now now it's been a long journey for me to see how beautiful and important that is. And that's that's maybe my little dance with you here. What I want to contribute is to say thinking of it from a psychoanalytic perspective. Like, um, And this is where our friend Peter Rollins helps us a bunch. And we listen to a episode with him on the Robcast, which I recommend. Yeah, no, um, it's a good episode. But, he, but he, every, you know, Peter, whenever he pops up on these things, he's he's essentially saying he has a theme mm-hmm. that he uses lots of different ways of getting at that theme, essentially. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the themes is this idea that uh, in psychoanalysis, the analyst essentially plays the role over time of trying to get you to see that the answer's reside mm-hmm. inside of you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like only you know what you need only you know what you want to do with your life and i know that's that then then people are let people that are wanting to talk about the bible but the bible it's like yeah but oh i already have so many thoughts <laughs> okay i can tell which is good um in terms of what you want to do with that information and 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 what it means to you mm-hmm. and what you know the direction you want to go with that you know like or or, or you could even say if you really want to get spiritual or Christian or religious about it, you could say it's between you and God, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in your conversation with God or yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think, I think there's like a lot at play here. And I think like what you're saying brings up for me, like this idea of like, it is like we have, it, it will be you who accesses that beyond thing. Like you are the one who can, bring yourself from dark to light because you are the light. Like you Mm. yourself are that, like, I mean, you can think of like Imago Dei, like you, you have that divine within yourself. It's yours to find. Mm -hmm. Um, And nobody else can help you to find it because it's, it's within who you are. It resides in your very being. It's like awakening yourself to the fact that you actually are already that light. It's like the passage into yourself. This is becoming, in my experience of this conversation right now, a true four and a five way of approaching this topic, and I like I know. it. No, I think it is. And me, so ways. everybody listening, you see, there's a little something for everybody here. Like you approach this topic from a very mystical perspective, 
And I'm approaching it from yeah. a very like science, psycho- yeah. psychological perspective. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it holds a, like, if immediately evokes like some larger sense for me. Yeah. Like it feels like I've been saying this, but it feels very spiritual. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Um, and like, I have a hard time escaping that that's part of it. When I even just hear the word guru, it like, Hmm, that's a word that feels important to me and draws me to mm. something and evokes something. And a lot of it is like actually just the like vibrations of like goo and rue and them together and like wow. vibrating that into the cosmos. Wow. Like I really like think a those four and a five <laughs> in conversation. Yeah. And a practicing like Kundalini person, like yoga person, like that's part of the practice is this meditation and using some of these like sacred sounds to help us tap into the cosmic energy. Like it's, I need that in my life. It doesn't, it's not where I gravitate towards. I mean, I like vibrations in the sense that I like, I, I feel moved by a good song and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of energy in the world. You know, it, it's so funny. I, I, I feel very confident about why I said, but I, I know certain people would be like, what energy? What's the talking about? <laughs> I mean, I always yeah. speak in those. <laughs> yeah. <things> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I do that. This is really good. This is really good in terms of what we're both bringing. <laughs> Cause I need to hear that. Um, because I mostly just wanted to get to the like, brain science of guru. <laughs> <you> <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is guru? What are those sounds Goo-doo. next to one another? Wow. I mean, yeah. So everybody, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I think by the end of this episode, not only do I hope that you feel like you have um, been given uh, some good things to think about, like just in terms of like food for thought, maybe we might be talking about things you already know about, but maybe it's an interesting conversation. But um, I do like to think that you would probably be a little bit more critical of who you're giving power over your life to. Maybe that's what I want to say about this episode. What mm-hmm. uh, what one of my hopes? It can do a million things. I'm not going to control it. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever your experience while you're listening, that's fine with me. But maybe one of my hopes is that you will you'll start to loosen enlighten your relationship with certain people that you give power over you. Hmm. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask <laughs> you a question. I wasn't even asking it as a joke though. I was like, am I making sense? No, or? you are definitely making okay. sense. And I don't ask it as a joke. I ask it as a, I don't know, like a memetic device, not a memetic device, some kind of habit, a yeah. habitual thing. Anyways. Yep. That's this episode. We're going to share our journeys Coming Which up, we're gonna, everybody. Probably like, who did we honest. idolize, who and did what idolize? did that do to us? Yeah, journeys. Wow, and again, I'm probably gonna have some realizations pal, as I talk. Yeah, me too. I know that it's something that I am. I've been aware of that mm-hmm. I have this tendency. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> okay, and okay. then we'll pop off. Yep. <laughs> okay. Talk very close. Okay, everybody, um, we have Matthew, the founder of our podcast, uh, <laughs> sitting with us in the house. And something interesting happened over the break. Matthew's an Enneagram one, and uh, so yeah. he did need to correct us, which I'm we love. Glad. We're glad. Uh, we got a few little details about about uh, how ancient the word guru is, and Matthew's here to set the record straight. Well, I'm glad that 
I'm I was like sitting in the corner, like, should I say something? I don't want to like mess up the vibe. No, it doesn't no, really matter that much. No, it does matter. I feel like it does matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um well, okay, so here's the thing. Guru is a Sanskrit term, which is a, like one of the most ancient languages that we know of. Mm. Um, it's, I think it, it immigrated to, actually no, a proto version of it immigrated to the Ind- Indian subcontinent. Wow. I think 2,000 years before the common era. Holy crap. Um, and it, so it's possible that, that word uh, existed even then. So okay. that's older than any of the religions that we think about today that exist in East or Southeast Asia. Hmm. Um, Not Christianity. Christianity has been no. around for 8,000 years. Yeah. Right? Christianity is <laughs> a, a, a baby <laughs> just compared kidding. to this stuff. <laughs> um, well, ever, a millennia. Okay. Sorry. Macy, I'm I'm, this, I don't know if, if the, the comment that was made will end up in the final cut, but Macy mentioned that Guru started with the Sikh or Sikh tradition, which it is a big part of, but it didn't start with them. It may have started with the Vedic religion, which was like it's very, very, very old tradition, which is the ancestor of Hinduism as we think of it today. Um, but the Sikh, Sikh or Sikh tradition is actually pretty young compared to the Vedic tradition, Hindu tradition, Buddhism. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Facts, everybody. I'm in a class on this right now. This is yeah. what I study. He is a comparative religions major here in the house, sharing his information. Support him on Patreon. Just support Matthew. And <laughs> he is paying for public education. He deserves some support. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I, if I thought that would work, I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Lauder. Um, I was really surprised, though. I learned this in the class that I'm in right now that, like, Hinduism, as we think of it today, with, like, all those gods and goddesses and, like, mudras and yoga Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all that stuff, it's, like, pretty young. It's mostly from the common era. Wow. And it's actually younger than Buddhism and Jainism. It was, like, a reaction to those traditions. And it's not unrelated to gurus either because something that made Jainism and Buddhism special was bhakti, which means um, devotion. And Mm. it was this kind of tradition of teachers and gurus who, you know, emerged and had new ideas about specific faith traditions and then gained followings and devotees, bhakti. Wow. Um, And that we got, it was very, very popular because people liked that because it was more like close knit and small than this like overarching nebulous Vedic religion that came Mm. before. Um, And that's, and then, and then the Hindu religion followed suit. We can't hear Macy. (laughs) What role would, do you know like how the word guru came to be in terms of like, Mm, I don't know my question. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no, no, I don't. We didn't. We didn't talk about it too much in my class. So we did. So no. <laughs> it's too big. You realized <laughs> that was good. <laughs> if I. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. This is really bringing it up. And like, can we both come to class with you? Oh my gosh, there's no seats in that class. It's Dang. all full. We'll um, just sit up in the front and hold the microphone to the professor's mouth. I don't know if we're recording this down. for no small thing. <laughs> um, yeah. If next time, if you guys do another East Asian or religious concept i could look it up for you guys and give you i know you know the thing with this podcast is we could do an episode a day i mean there's so (laughs) many people to talk to and so many interesting topics gosh okay this has been a correction by maddie matthew's corner yeah i always feel like it's uh did you guys watch reading rainbow growing up yes yeah that's like after you gave your book report it's like you know it's like the matthew reading rainbow book report (laughs) invaluable anytime invaluable always we love Matthew. We love Matthew. Kisses from Matthew. I had Everybody a feeling. Everybody has a different way I was of secretly exiting. hoping, honestly, that Matthew was listening in to correct what I said. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Are we doing it right here, Matthew? <laughs> um, so that mm. was very good. I, I, do think, I do think anybody that's listening probably enjoys the podcast. But sometimes when you get somebody on, and this is what I think happened with somebody like Deb, because I often hear Deb did our anxiety mm-hmm. episode and was such a good episode is a, is a therapist and a friend of ours. And I think people found it refreshing that somebody just came on and talked very clearly mm-hmm. and just said some nice, clear things and didn't meander. <laughs> it's a nice, just have, yeah, somebody come on and say, okay, there's some nice chatter here, some back and forth conversation, some curiosity, but here's actually <laughs> <there's> some <facts. laughs> okay. journey. Who's going first? I think you should go first. Okay. Uh, it's always a little harder for me to share my journey because I'm 26, no, 16 years older than Macy. 26. Why does it make it harder? You have it's more longer. to share. No, I, that's why it's harder. I'm trying to condense it. I don't want to just, I mean, I could sit here with a microphone in this room by myself for five <laughs> hours talking about my guru relationships. Um, and I want what I want to capture, everybody, let me just reframe it again. We're talking about people in your life that may be leaders or just people you look up to that you think are cool, that you have psychologically made an attachment with. This is the this is the lens I'm approaching it from. Yeah, Macy will might will probably most likely bring a different vibe into this conversation. So, um, it's not true, right? There is no person human walking around the world that does have all the knowledge or the answers, and certainly not the answers for you. That person's life and choices is not going to just in work for you perfectly you have the answers inside of you and that's hard to do and i'm in the middle of a stage of life where i'm really wrestling with um sort of a an aversion to going internal i'm trying every day but i want people at this point in my life to tell me what to do yeah yeah it's easier Mm -hmm. but it's not as helpful i think at the end of the day yeah, I do. I can sense that. And it's like, really weird. It's surprising me. Like you, you were the you were the one who was going to make these ultimate decisions, and you ultimately are going to get yourself out of. And I believe it. Ex- uh, like I believe it uh, intellectually, but also. That's a hard thing. It's I mean, a hard it's thing. it's a hard thing to trust that. It's, yeah. Yeah, life is crazy. Okay. So, so I'm going to try to capture some of the emotions of it, right? I don't, I, I can't, I can't really access necessarily. I mean, there were some heroes of mine growing up. I've talked about on the podcast before, but Michael Jackson was like my first obsession, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, I, I didn't approach Michael Jackson as somebody that like had the answers for my life. Yeah. Um, 
I do think the first one that comes to mind, and because I grew up in a Christian subculture church environment, it will probably these mostly will probably be like Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that comes to mind is not somebody I knew. Um, the first person that comes to mind is C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. He, I read all his Narnia books, and yeah. then in my mind, growing up as a Christian. C.S. Lewis wrote these Narnia books, which were really compelling for a little kid. And then you just knew that he also wrote some other big books. Hmm. And I always plan on reading those someday. And so in the back of my mind, I was I in the back of my mind, you know, I have actually thinking this. C.S. Lewis has all the answers. Because because you had these stories that were already speaking to you mm-hmm. and he had these other bigger books. He's the end. It, it's he's a person out there that's larger than life. He's he's dead, first of all. You know if y'all aren't a part of it. Even, like, I don't know what specific sects of Christianity do it, but there are some that it is like C.S. Lewis <sighs> is treated like oh, a, a guru. God. <laughs> a god. Like, even more. <laughs> upsets. I didn't grow up with it. That's yeah, my, no, we any, did. In any context. And then when I, I like, when I came to this last church I was at, I was like, what is happening? It's <laughs> Lewis is like, Lewis. let's all get down and basically like worship him. <laughs> like it was <laughs> like C.S. Lewis conference, C.S. Lewis yeah. lectures. Yeah. Like people love their C.S. Lewis. Yeah. White, white, white Protestants in general love yeah. their C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And you know, C.S. Lewis is worthy of enjoying, but uh, I think this is what something I think we do here. Here, here's something about gurus. And I know I've experienced this in my life mm-hmm. and I've probably only been, I, I'm not completely liberated from this, but um, mostly s- sort of liberated in the last like five or six years, you know. Maybe trying to try at least aware that you need mm-hmm. to be liberated. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a, that's a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. At this stage, I'm aware that I'm a, I need to be liberated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't necessarily have the internal confidence uh, of your faith. Mm-hmm. That you'd like. Mm-hmm. You don't know if it matches up intellectually. Mm-hmm. You don't know if your experiences are reliable. Um, you don't know for sure if God exists. But that person does. So as long as that person does, then I'm good. So you you essentially let them hold your spirituality for you. That's what you're doing. You know, it's like C.S. Lewis, he he did know. He wrote all those books. He had God figured out. He experienced God. He told us, look at those books. So then you can like rest easy and trust like, oh, this person's doing it. Yeah. I'm with them. Yeah, just watch the way you talk. It's like I would have easily said at the time, you know, if somebody was pressing me on God, I'd be like, well, C.S. Lewis. <laughs> you know, I mean, just it's as simple as that. Well, uh, you know, just point to C.S. Lewis and be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. What well, about you? Uh, well, I don't know, but C.S. Lewis believed and C.S. Lewis says, and you can see this happening on Facebook all the time. It's like I try to get, and, and I'll always probably sound slightly pretentious on this podcast. I'm not trying to. I'm just talking. But I, I am an older person, uh, an older person than Macy, so I am in this uh, weird zone of I think Facebook you, I think you need to... Sometimes we sound pretentious. Sometimes we are pretentious. Pretentious, we don't have to hold such negative connotation with. Okay. This is a podcast where I share my opinions. So <laughs> get your own podcast. <laughs> share your opinions, and I will celebrate that. <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting to watch people <laughs> uh, debate on Facebook, because I'm a Facebook debater, everybody. Scott is on Facebook. Now, when I if say you that, guys want to follow anything, follow me. It's, fi- it's friending Scott Find on me. Facebook, because Scott uses Facebook rigorously. I, I like it. And now now hopefully you guys I want you to know I'm not out there 
I'm not out there being mean spirited. I'm having nice, sweet, honoring discussions, not even debates. I say debates playfully. Um, so, so I'm trying to bring some, some nice, you know, honoring vibes, curiosity vibes, honestly, to Facebook. But um, you'll get into discussion, and you know it's going south when somebody posts an article. We're just trying to talk the issue through. What's yeah. your opinion? What's my opinion? What what information do you have? And it's not like there's nothing necessarily just outright objectively wrong about posting an article. But you can say I've reached it's the psychology behind it is I think the person is saying essentially I've reached the end of my confidence, and so this will be the trump card because this is my guru now, oh, and now I you're see. going to experience the full weight of my guru. And this is, it's just essentially saying, this is the person that's made it okay is, for me yeah. to believe this way. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's going to work for you. And and honestly, uh, this happens a lot where it's like, and I do it too. So remember, I'm just aware of it now. I haven't even been liberated. But a lot of people, especially in these theological debates, will be like, this doctor compared to this doctor. So it is like just yeah. recently getting into a debate about queer lives, I'd say. And, you know, this person said, here's a doctor from Moody Bible Institute explaining how it's a sin, you know, and it's like, I, you can tell the vibe is like trump card, doctor, Moody Bible Institute. Right. And, and I've like, gotten to this point where okay. it's like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm like, well, that's not a guru. First of all, I don't believe in gurus. And also I, I can disagree with this person. I think the person yeah. would be like, certainly you wouldn't disagree with this doctor. And then you'd be like, like, also oh, yeah. these thousand other doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I know, I know, no, no, I know. So, um, okay, wait, yeah. this is a side note about your Facebook etiquette. How do you feel about someone posting, starting with an article? Cause I know you do that. Yeah. And that is, <laughs> we're really getting a side note, but, but I have big opinions about this too, because the way I post, never <laughs> get a Facebook discussion. The we should have a Facebook conversation because it really is should. so funny how I like because I just am not I on take it Facebook. Seriously. It is like such an interesting thing because yeah. I'm like I'm just not there yeah. when I go and look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I don't like I I do like articles for for food for thought to start a discussion, mm-hmm. not as a trump card. Okay, and I I do like to post an article with no commentary. I like I like the people I like people to not know where I'm why I'm posting it, and I like people to have to read the article and wrestle with their own takeaway without me framing it for them, you know. So like uh, I posted a, this was a great example. I posted a, uh, an article, uh, not, just a CNN article that said transgender awareness week. That's all it said. FYI, and and everybody all just assumed like one person wrote, "Are you for transgender?" You know, I'm just like, just just posting that the fact that it's Transgender Awareness Week, it's interesting to think that people instantly want to know my opinion on that. And I'm just, it could just be me being like, what what if I actually disagreed with it? What if I was like, warning everybody, look what's going on in our culture. Can you believe Transgender Awareness Week? But then you would say that in the caption, I think. I think if you post something, the general assumption is you're promoting it. Yeah, and I, I, I like said- kind of messing with that. Okay, but nobody's reading it as that. Nobody knows you're Well, it's my like own that. fun little <laughs> secret game. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, let's get I back to I actually kind of want to go harder on that I game know, now. I can tell. I want to post I've... an article that I disagree with and just put it out there. That'd be really fun and see what people do. You are free to do that. Okay. I'm a guru. 
<laughs> you are you are your own Facebook yeah. guru. Style. True, true. Good night to Matthew. Oh, you're just you're just uh, he's honoring the fact that I am a guru. Um, <laughs> and Macy. Okay, my my journey. Okay, here here is I do think I had some guru vibes with some youth pastors growing up. Yep. And I don't need to talk about that right now because I'll talk about the first one that really popped up into mind. Okay. Okay. Here it comes. And anybody that is like grew up as in this kind of Christian subculture will know this name, but there's a leader, Christian leader, still preaching, still a pastor, I think, named John Piper. Oh. Pretty darn conservative. Mm-hmm. Not dissing any conservatives out there, but it's not necessarily the, the direction I lean, is what I'd say. And um, has, oh, oh, oh boy, oh boy, a very sort. Oh, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. There's so many words. <laughs> a very aggressive, sort of black and white personality. Um, a very particular lens, uh, of through which he reads scripture. Mm-hmm. So here's one example. Here's one example. I'm trying to boil many things down into something that you can just sink your teeth into for now. But no, this just represents lots of other things. He was what you call a predeterminist. And I heard him give several... He's so compelling. So I'm like, you're, you're, re, you're listening to this and you're thinking, this is a terrible way to think about God, but he's kind of selling it that it, it's necessary to believe this or you're pretty much screwed. Interesting. And your own sinful nature doesn't want you to believe this. And this is actually the better way. And he's so loud and compelling that you're like, wow. I guess I have to believe this. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And um, predeterminism, it says anything that happens, God planned. Mm-hmm. This conversation, every word we're saying, God had planned. But where that leads is uh, any any uh, catastrophe, any tragedy, any bad thing that happens to you was God's plan. And us in our fallen human brokenness can't comprehend why it happened. Hmm. And we're wasting our time. But all we can do is worship, you know, and not question. And, you know, it, it's just, it's really intense. Yeah, that and is he, interesting. he has a way of explaining it where you're like, you can see how it matches up with a certain reading of scripture. But anyways... It was a very aggressive season of me just listening to every sermon he gave, reading every book he gave. I went out and visited him in Minneapolis. I actually had dinner with him here in Seattle with just two other people because we found out he was coming to speak at this conference and we got a hold of him. At, wow. We ate at Five Spot here in Queen Anne. That is such an interesting mm-hmm. mood. I got a book of his, like, and I didn't, I read like three pages and didn't keep reading. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's my relationship with John Piper. And I know he just has like very like particular views on women. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And like biblical oh, womanhood. Yeah. And all that. Like, so I just usually pass on him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so fascinating. Now, I, this is yeah. an interesting insight into just also like personality, I think. And that like, I do see like these intellectual people, like they'll get you in that. Oh way. yeah. You have to know all the things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. If someone can create a, a rich argument for you, I feel like that's compelling. Yeah. At the time, I think he was using his pure force of will and charisma to get me okay. combined with intellectualism. Yeah. And that's one of the really trippy things. Like, there's a certain type of person out there that can make you feel like they're being intellectual. And they may be intellectual in the sense that they're using a lot of words and reading a lot of books. But that doesn't mean 
what they're saying is good. Yeah. You know, so I think that's just another thing to pay attention to. I mean, here in Seattle, we had this pastor named Mark Driscoll who started this church and it was like the absolute embodiment of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. in a person. And because he was so charismatic, he just really got people on board with what he was talking about. Yeah. And it like really promoted a lot of unhealthy ways we can yeah. do. I mean, I literally took my high school kids as a, when I was a youth pastor to go see him preach probably 10 years ago. Whoa. And I prepped them for it because I knew what he was going to say. I wasn't saying, let's go see this great guy. I was like, he's going to be kind of controversial, but he's in the city here. And yeah. it was, uh, it, the, the live sermon was like a, a greatest hits of his worst material. Like he started by talking about, um, uh, he start. it was, it was, he start. first of all, this is a funny way to approach the book of revelation. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to go through the book of revelation in one sermon. You're like, Oh, <laughs> just one verse would be hard to preach. I don't know how you're going to do the whole book. But he started by talking about, uh, the lion King and how, and it's true. The lion King at the opening scene where everybody's worshiping is sort of a great, modern image of what's happening in the book of revelation in some senses. Hmm. But he just makes these little side notes of like, by the way, none of you men should be watching these Disney movies. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, and there are men probably out there. I'm like, yeah, Disney. Oh man, I don't watch Disney movies, but yeah, keep talking. But to like, you've obviously also, seen it. You've We're gonna, obviously... I know it's so weird. <laughs> you've seen it and it's spoken to you enough for you to talk about how it yeah. relates to revelation. Yeah. We could go off on Mark Driscoll. <laughs> I won't. Oh, man. These toxic gurus. Toxic gurus. So I think something has to happen, and this is what I'll talk a little bit about later, especially if it's a good guru. A good guru will intentionally show you that they're not perfect and don't have the answers. Yep. Now, yep. none of the people I initially latched onto did that. So I had to find out accidentally. So John Perkins, John Perkins, oh, no. Don't get these people mixed up. John Piper eventually had some marital trouble. And I was like, oh, no, he's not perfect. I I thought he had it all. (laughs) I thought all this stuff was making it so he had the superior, you know, you know, a holy connection with the divine. Interesting. He's got the answers and he must have the best marriage. And he's like, wrote this thing on his website. It's like, I'm taking a break. My marriage is struggling. We're going to, I was like, oh, he's human. And that was it? That was like, I mean, it wasn't like this big thing even either. Because I mean, I don't think there's ever been a person where I've, invested that much where it would have been a complete, you know, psychological breakdown. Uh, I mean, I think that happens to people. They're like, oh, I have so much invested in that. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> we'll hear a story from Macy in a little bit. Um, my, mine, mine are going to be a little bit more low-key, I think. So, so I think we have a... This, this episode is more than most really revealing our difference yeah. in personality because I hear what you're saying and I see you doing like what a guru is to you and I'm like... It's an emotional thing. Oh, for me. right. I this is going to be good that. because different people will relate. Yeah. I mean, you could probably say my five, my Enneagram five nature has kept me a little bit at arm's length from the potential of bonding fully or merging fully. Um, what do you think a guru or what did you think a guru had to offer? Like, okay, wh- so what were here, you looking for? I got a great answer to that because now that'll bring us <laughs> yes, to my next a guru. Great answer. A great answer. <laughs> What what I was what I what this is what I'd want to say again as 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 something that we could offer somebody our journeys could offer somebody something not in not in terms of an answer but to get you to think about your own journey. Um, growing up Christian, I think what I was hoping for, starting with C.S. Lewis, going to John Piper, and then going to some other gurus, is a sense of um, 
my own internal struggle with a certainty surrounding my faith. Hmm. Like there's always a nagging feeling like nobody can prove it. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm experiencing. I have chills. I have, I hear a word. Is that actual word? Where is God? What, what is scripture? Yeah. And so I'm like, these questions and doubts in my head need to be resolved hmm. by somebody that has certainty. Hmm. So for example, I think the next person I latched onto was N.T. Wright, which was a nice, great, yeah. uh, Next level from a John gentle. Piper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably, in my opinion, a little bit more learned. Uh, definitely um, uh, publicly opposed to John Piper in a lot of ways. Like, they had a lot of debates about what justification meant. Hmm. And N.T. Wright is a New Testament professor who I think can write circles around John Piper. So, obviously, in my mind, too, here's a superior guru. Hmm. You know, w- once I started studying N.T. Wright... Uh, at SPU, when I was getting my theology degree, you go to the library and it's like, he's written a 700-page book mm-hmm. on the concept of justification. Hmm. He's the authority on that. And John Piper's going to come out and publicly... But even then, I'm like, okay, here's the person that knows more. Yeah. They're yeah. the guru. You're looking for some answer that this person will have to then <laughs> share with you and you can just... Yeah. Yeah. And so here's a little example of how it happens. I remember hearing N.T. Wright speak. He was a guest speaker lecturer at Fuller Seminary where I was going to seminary for like three days and he's spoken all these different venues. And he's talking about how he's always connected with God and believes and he said he was saying, I've always believed. And then he said, there was a moment in college when I was studying and the lights went out for a second. But I came back. And I was like, what? And that that's a moment where I could feel like that's that's the relationship with the guru. It freaked me out. Wait, the lights went out for a second? Like for him, like the lights of his faith, like, oh, oh. this is not real. Like, I don't oh. believe. But then it came back on. He said that was the only time huh. that he doubted or questioned. But I was, it really rattled me that N.T. Wright doubted. Yeah. And it really threw me off just hearing, that's the ha- that's the psychology of the guru. Mm-hmm. I have so much wrapped up in N.T. Wright believing. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that he didn't believe for a second threw me for a loop. Oh. Which the healthy thing is then you go internal and you try to figure out your own belief. Yeah. I yeah. don't think I totally did that at the time. I was just like, now, I, now I'm grappling with my relationship with N.T. Wright. What does it all mean? And I'm in seminary at the time, so I've got plenty of more books to read. So now I'm probably going <laughs> latching on to another guru or two, you know. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, That's I probably discovered Peter Rollins at the time, but. You know, and ironic, the most ironic thing is I can probably treat him as a guru sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> we, he's like telling us not to invest in gurus. And I'm like, but you're my guru, Peter. Like, I, Peter <laughs> is so funny to me in mm-hmm. that like he like offers this new way of thinking. And part of it is that there is no new way of thinking. <laughs> but it's like in excelling that you have to sell for people to believe your idea of it. Yeah. It's a very, he has like a very interesting task to do. It's so interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would say this my... This is super fascinating to me. Yes. Just what you were looking for. <laughs> like you Somebody were, that knew. <laughs> you were really like, who will have like this huge theological mm-hmm. like breadth Mm-hmm. An understanding of God. Who will have read all the books? Yeah. Who has the most knowledge? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm getting chills just thinking about it because I wasn't even... The outcome of this conversation <laughs> is alarming, actually. <laughs> and very telling. <laughs> it does make sense to me. <laughs> you find so much of your identity in maybe these people that you've 
red. Yeah, you could also just say I, I grew up. Too. I grew up. I grew up uh, in a Presbyterian church. Like my grandpa's a Presbyterian pastor. My dad's a Presbyterian pastor. In this setting, yeah, the 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 value is information and books and study. Mm-hmm. And I'm still stuck in this purgatory of not being ordained. But like in this tradition, purgatory. you have to have like 132 credits of seminary degree to, and then graduate. And then there's still more hoops to jump through and stuff like that. But like you don't just get to get ordained. You have to study. And that's, I, I, well, I really value that. But like, yeah, if you went to my grandpa's office growing up, he's surrounded by books. Mm-hmm. You went to my father-in-law's office, my wife's dad, who's also a pastor, surrounded by books. My dad's surrounded by books. And so like, even as I had bosses, supervisors, professors that I'm visiting, it made sense that I'm going to you for information because I'm going to your office and you're surrounded by books. Mm-hmm. I'm currently surrounded by books. I mean, I think we have eight bookshelves at our house. Yeah. At the end of the day, if we're trying to take an objective look at that, it's not any indicator that I have the secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some knowledge that we obviously like to share on this podcast, but um, the fact that I'm surrounded by those books and have read those books doesn't mean that I have the answer to your life or to ultimate meaning or existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, yeah, yeah. But I got, I, I mean, even I'm realizing I get really caught up in that sort of thing. That person has three PhDs. <laughs> they must know. <laughs> I don't really do it much anymore. You know, I don't, I don't do it much anymore if ever, but that's, yeah. that's my journey there. I mean, studying this guru stuff has really helped me. Yeah. Like, do you want to share a bit about that part of your journey or do you want to wait or do, is there more? I, I think that's, what, that'll be my pop-off journey. <laughs> my pop-off journey, my pop-off moment. Our journey's popping off. Yeah. Later, everybody, I want to bring some, some interesting things into this that I've been learning. Uh, I want to talk about transference and that's the main thing I want to talk about. What was the other thing I want to talk about? Envy, scapegoating. Envy and scapegoating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. These are always long episodes. So if you stick around for that, but, um, I mean, honestly going to therapy has really showed me cause maybe that's the final mm-hmm. guru. I I've definitely treated my therapist as a guru. Yeah. And I walk into that room and I think he is listening and taking notes, which he isn't, maybe mental notes, and someday he's going to give me the answer. I know that's going on subconsciously. I don't literally think that. Interesting. And there's been days where I'm like, man, I'm getting so frustrated by the end of the session, being like, don't you have an answer? Hmm. And I know I know his his goal is to get me to know I have the answer inside of me, but yeah. that's hard work. Yeah, it is hard Ooh. work. Oof, oof, oof. Okay, you're a very nice question asker. I'm going to keep rambling. We're going we're gonna to need to get to your <laughs> journey. <laughs> So I think it's a it's a we come back situation. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, when we come back, I will share my guru journey and get excited for the different it's textures gonna be, it's to gonna this. It's gonna be a very different yeah. thing, I think. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm looking forward to it. When we come back. We're back. So. Journey time. 
As you were talking and we were reflecting, I was thinking, like, there's one person I will, that I have to share. And then the rest, I think, will just, like, organically come. Um, but I think most of my gurus are probably people that I meet and know and experience mm. them physically. Ooh, right off the bat, different. Different. Um, so I can think wow. I definitely, like, as a child, had, like, certain people and i think i don't i don't know where this plays a role in it but like my dad did play the guru role for me and i think my dad's personality played into that like i saw my dad as like more than just a dad but like also this person that had like all like a lot of like spiritual wisdom Mm. i felt that actually Mm. wow Um, and i think that i don't know like where that is like in child development that might be a thing um yeah but that was like that popped in my brain. Anyways, I think that's pretty normal. I think most kids have that, and, have and like I'm just like realizing I didn't really have that with my parents like mm-hmm. for some reason, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. most people, yeah, mo- when when you realize your parents don't have the answers, that's a really alarming. It's a moment. very alarming thing. Yeah, yeah, it was very alarming for me. Um, a lot for me to process. Mm. Um, okay, so. I think we've mentioned this person like a ridiculous amount of Have times. We? No, I mean like yeah. You and me. I, I think I, I think, think we've podcast, alluded. We've alluded. Anyways. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in not a family that was super like practicing Christian. Like my dad would pray with me every evening. We'd read like my little kid's Bible and he'd share certain things. Um, didn't go to church. We're like a not church going family. That's mm-hmm. kind of the vibe. Like we don't go to church. I'm judging you right now. Um, but <laughs> then in middle school, I went to camp that was like an evangelical Christian. How, how did you camp. get set up with that? Um, little Macy had like anxiety and was nervous and like didn't do camps. And my friend was doing this one and she also had like more like anxiety. And I like had barely could do sleepovers. No, uh, Laura, although I was in a cabin with Haley, but we weren't friends. Um, (laughs) anyways, I like got on the bus going to camp, like sobbing, like, I am not going to be able to do this. My parents are going to have to come. Like, little Macy mm. had done maybe two or three sleepovers. They, like, were a very big existential mental block for me. Wow. Um. So, sixth grade Macy was like, bye, mom and dad. Like, or I think I'm going into seventh grade. Um, And my parents both were like, we figured we were going to have to come get you. But... They did it. Wow. Because um, of the guru. And no, I maybe <laughs> wasn't there at that moment. Um, so I like went to camp. Big, big thing for me. Going to camp. I don't know. A lot of stars aligned. It was like a very powerful experience for me. Um, I really think that having the language of God was like incredibly helpful and mm. in, like healing for my anxiety in a lot of ways of this idea of like never being alone and always having this presence with you. And that was something that like, I remember like being reassuring for myself in like trusting myself. And it was like very powerful, like establishing a relationship with Jesus, like was very healing for me mm. because it allowed me to honestly, like not feel as alone in my fears um, so went to camp, big things. And then that was for junior high. I just went there and it like got me kind of involved in this church. And I like 
would, but like was mostly like a, I go to camp kid. Like I barely went to youth group, but you know, I'd go like a few weeks after. And then I'm a, I go to camp kid. It, there's those kinds of people, <laughs> you know, like in the youth group, if, if anyone out there is listening that did like those youth group culture, there are some kids who are like, they're at the trips, you know, but they're not on a typical Wednesday night or whatever. Oh you know what I mean? yeah. I was probably both. Yeah. I was yeah. like. I was, uh, yeah, I, I go to the camps. I go to the camps. Like, oh, yeah, I'll go to that. But, like, I'm probably Funny. not going to be at youth group. And I don't go to church. That's on brand. Like, I don't know these people yeah. at church. Um, <laughs> but then by the time I was hi- in high school, I started to go to youth group. And then, then like, high school came. And high school, Hume Lake, was a whole new scene for me. This is where I met an experience who was to be, like, my ultimate guru in like a myriad of ways. Oh, strap in for the <laughs> ride. <laughs> Here we go. There is this camp person. <laughs> like this is like legitimately embarrassing for me to like admit if anybody who kind of knows this person listens, like it's weird and embarrassing. Um, but this is also like exposure to like high school selves. We're we're out Um, here being human. Anyway, so person, her name is Megan fate (laughs) and she was the camp's spirit person. Um, so like we had this, like, I I don't know how to like explain this besides like, it's like pumped up youth group camp. So Mm -hmm. like we have this thing called recreation, you know, and like there's teams and Megan fate is like the person who's the like, there's these two like big rec leaders and there's two guys and then Megan Faye comes in and she's like super cool. She has like crazy hair. She does backflips. Like she's like oh my gosh. very athletic and these very people. like you can tell confident and like very like like for me seeing her, I was like, whoa, I've never seen like such a cool female up front having this kind of like group like gravitas like yeah. everybody's like nobody can deny like that megan fate isn't cool you know what i mean like which she, like, is proves... pretty is is significant to mm-hmm. see a powerful woman no confident. i think it was very like i think in a yeah. lot of ways like as i reflect back with older eyes i can see how like that was playing a large role for me and like my own identity formation of like seeing her and like her becoming a role model mm-hmm. um and yeah role model and guru like probably go hand in hand and i'm naming my like 14 15 16 17 year old self role model guru teacher teacher yeah yeah idol Idol. (laughs) um yeah so megan faye was just cool um and then she also like on top of that was like very like spiritual and like very like out loud about how much she loved God and how mm. like her relationship with God was so special. And she so definitely, that's why she's so cool. Right. Like it was, yeah. and like, she seemed so confident in herself and mm. she was very confident in her relationship with God. And like, she just was, had like a lot of cool, like sermons that I loved as a high schooler. And then on top of that, she like would come to, girl cabins in the evening time oh, and what like a treat. play like 
prank sometimes with them or also like make super deep like nights like cabin nights and it would be like is megan gonna come like who knows and like wow. everyone wanted megan to come to their cabin because wow. when she came to your cabin like you knew you were in for like some cool stuff wow. so it was like well that's a lot of power everybody was trying to like get time with megan huh. um eight seven what do you think three i think probably I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't think I could type, type from afar. Type from a distance. <laughs> um, Make a list. And <laughs> I was, like, obsessed with Megan. Mm. There was, there were some people, like, everybody, like, around the camp could sense Megan super cool. And then it was, like, and this is maybe some, like, four. I was, like, no, I will think she is the coolest yeah you don't even know on the level right she's cool i know i see it even more than you do (laughs) and then me and my best friend would like we both loved her and then we would just together like idolize and be like she has all the answers like she's and like i don't really experienced it we didn't have yeah yeah we didn't have like the yeah this has nothing to do with like the book she's written or no she's surrounded by no it was it was who she was and like how she lived her life and there's a lot like learned from it and like (laughs) (laughs) this is so good like a true four way like i wanted to have like big emotional connections with her. Like that's oh, what I was looking wow. for. Like if I could come and have like Megan come and like tell me something about my life and call me out on something. And then I have like a big spiritual experience and like, she's a part of it. That was what I was seeking like all the time. And I wow. could tell, like I knew I would put like, again, exposing myself. This is like a four <laughs> mood, but like I would put out a certain vibe of like, I want you to come and like, want to check in on my spirituality once she figured out who I was and like knew who I was by the time I was like a junior and senior I like wanted her to like hold you accountable to me yeah. you know so that way I could like have those moments with her it was like a person oh, I saw the self-awareness once a once for one week in one whole year but you also hoped as you left that she was thinking about you and remembered you uh-huh and me and my friend would do the craziest shit like the craziest (laughs) shit to get her attention slash like there was this like group of leaders that were all very modesty videos can you talk about that someday (laughs) yeah no i can talk about it and (laughs) they did this thing welcome again to evangelical christian culture Um, where they would be like, boys, leave the chapel. And the boys would all leave. And the boys, this is what the boys would do. They would go into the woods and like howl. Oh, so like, classic. <laughs> like while the, the women boys, get told while to. While the women get told oh, how the, they the have The men to get dress. to uh, release and like be just free. And and then the women are get told how to dress. So weird. And like reminded of like. These boys are here on their spiritual journey. Oh. Don't be a distraction. Oh, oh, like, what oh, the actual oh, F? Oh, what the oh, actual yeah. F? And at the time, Where I'm just... Where did all come? Well, I I'm know. A, Everybody's always like... I'm a sophomore in high school, and I'm like, well, I don't think I am. But like, yeah, we shouldn't be distracting. Megan Fate says. Megan <laughs> Fate says. But Megan Fate, this is the thing. So that is like a BS thing, of yeah. course. They shouldn't be doing that. But she made it Megan cool. would make it cool. Yeah. So it was like... 
we're going to put on a huge lip sync performance where we take all these popular songs and we make ridiculous lyrics about modesty and it's like ridiculous. And yet at the end there'd be like a, but really seriously, let's take this, you know, like wow. they get us. And then wow, it's a, it's a real strange little mind game. It's a very wild thing. It's a yeah. very wild thing. I mean, I, I don't want to misuse this. I don't want to misuse this. And, and I come from this tradition too. So it's like, I, I, I would get accused of this as a young life leader. You know, parents would call me who didn't know me, whose kid is coming to camp with me now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, are you trying to brainwash my kid? And right. I'm like, brainwash? What are you talking about? We're <laughs> just trying to tell them about Jesus. Uh, but sometimes this does feel brainwashy, whatever that means. Oh, oh, it's... Manipulative? Especially, you know, going Manipulative. for a whole week, it is... You're taking kids out of their mm-hmm. home context, putting them in cabins, surrounded by a group of people. They have to go to these chapels once a week or every single day, multiple chapels. There's all these games and activities. Like there's a lot They're tired. Of, they're, they're emotionally tired. depleted. <laughs> and like the Thursday, Tuesday night and Thursday night were like specific nights where like you, at, once you figured out the pattern, like you all knew like this is a night that like kids stay back. Yeah. And like people like confess if they're like going to follow Jesus. And it's like, like honestly leading up to it's like will i feel convicted like do i need to recommit my life and like all of this spiritual okay let's just pull it back and say (laughs) to a certain extent not to a certain extent let's just pull it back on the surface there's nothing wrong with these types of activities but i do have a critique i would say there is something problematic about them no what i'm saying is I think are problematic. I do too. I'm not talking about altar calls, but giving kids a, res- a opportunity to respond to something or check yes. in or speak up or say how they're doing or what they're experiencing. Those aren't necessarily bad. No. But right. the idea there's there's a certain there, there's a certain camp. This has been my big thing as a youth pastor. Like we don't we can actually have kids eat healthy and get sleep and not be overly emotionally stimulated. Mm-hmm. And then and then if they have a god encounter great. But like we don't have to like pump them full of sugar and healthy unhealthy food, have them not get any sleep and then, you know, scream in their faces all week until they're just pumped full of strange competing emotions and then be like, "Do you believe in Jesus?" You know, it's like right here right now and it's like and stand up if you do. <laughs> yeah, you can and be like, a lot more low Everybody key about else it. can leave the room and those who stand it up like leaders will stay back. Yeah. And like you can talk to those people. Like as an Enneagram 4, I'm always wanting to stand up no <laughs> yeah. matter what. Uh, it's like you're wanting I, to cry. I'm like am I even a Christian if I don't stand up? Yeah. Like and you want to connect things. with the leader. All the things you I want do them want to, to know you're tracking. I do. Yeah. Um Okay, so, okay, I'll just spill a few beans of just, like, ridiculous idolatry things okay, that would happen. Okay. So, me and my friend Haley, like, shenanigans trying to get these people's attention. Mm-hmm. Like, weird. <laughs> Literally made <laughs> sugar cookies one time that were, like, gingerbread people. But then we, like, spent so much time decorating them precisely to be these, like, very classic Megan Faye and then this other person, Rachel Claus. So you're, like, on campus? You're at camp? No, we are at our homes, and then we mail them the cookies. Wow. (laughs) I don't even understand. Do these... uh, Does, like, Megan Faye work there year-round? No, we mail her her cookies because we know her address in like Azusa and we oh mail gosh. them to Rachel. Like, here's these cookies we made. Like, these, could you imagine getting this box of cookies? Yeah, and like now that we're adults, you, you know. In your, like this outfit that you often wear. Kind of like, creepy. <laughs> they're like 
Great. Thank you. <laughs> like, uh, am I like, supposed to eat this? We like made like left voicemails with like little songs of like, we're just so excited to see you. Like ways to just like always. We do know as youth leaders that that would be cute. Like yeah. I wouldn't be like these stupid kids. Right. But um, it is kind of funny just to think about what was going on internally for you. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. Anywho. So, but Megan did serve like in a lot of ways. I think part of reason why I ultimately was like very drawn to her was she like called me out on certain stuff and like honestly like in a spiritual way for you, you me you kind of like being called out I love being called out. <laughs> it's so I love funny being called out. um <laughs> i mean <laughs> i would rather someone call me out earlier in my life and like mm-hmm. give me a chance to have this i think i do love the emotional indulgence of Oh, I do this big terrible thing, and I need to like process it. Like I like you're I, you. Oh, uh, it's you're already cathartic. confirming some your it's shame. Cathartic. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. I am broken. Yeah. Right. Mm. Here's all the reasons I'm broken. Find the one. Tell me a reason I'm broken <laughs> so I can then process it. Like that is what I was looking for. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. It's a mood. Anyways, so eventually my my senior year. Um, this is such a different guru journey. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this one because this then shaped everything like this, this specific guru. I had such a profound experience with it that it then changed everything. And I haven't Mm -hmm. had a relationship like this. Right. Okay. You saw Um, how bad it got. So I, then my senior year was at camp and like, I don't know what specifically. It was, like, Tuesday or something. We were in some sermon. I think Megan was giving it. And I think she, like, purposely was trying to call me and my friend out. Like, I sensed it. Through I, the sermon? Yeah. Like, mm. I, I... Maybe this is just my experience and me being self-centered. But I was like, <laughs> oh... You know, uh, when you send cookies F. to people's home address, that's not what God's plan is. So, <laughs> and you're like, oh, she's talking to me about my cookies. <laughs> I mean, there's like weird things. Like we would sit, like we sat one day, like literally all day outside this pool area waiting for her to walk out. So then we could go ask her <laughs> to come to our cabin and tell her what our cabin was and write it down. And we had like all these Sharpies in case they didn't work. Wow. And then like when the time came, we like got so nervous. We were the most awkward human beings ever. Like we sat for like five hours figuring out what we were going to say. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Will you come to our cabin? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what else? What are you? This planet we live on. Um, and so, uh, I like felt it in the moment. I like can legitimately picture where I was sitting on these pews at Hume Lake of being like, shit, like, and it like all came rushing to me like like perspective on the whole situation um and i felt terrible i was like oh my god what do you mean i have idolized how did it happen like there's something in the sermon that made me realize that like i had made an idol of this person and like in and you don't remember what it was no you, um, it, was it just an imperfect sermon or like you were mad no, at her all of a sudden? No, no, it was like, no, it was like her literally having to say, oh, like, you can't put like, like, it was like, don't idolize people like, cause that's like turning you away from like, oh, God. So, so she did the unguring. No. Yeah. Well, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then I like felt super convicted and it was wrapped in this language of God as well. Like, um, like I've made a God. 
of this person and I'm not actually experiencing God. I'm, I've now filtered it through this person and that person isn't the actual mm. experience mm. of God I could have. Um, and I was like, my immediate reaction was, and I look back at my husband's reaction, I was very dramatic and it was, it was actually like some of my most for being revealed. Like I needed to outwardly express for the rest of the week, how bad my idolatry had been and wow. like how much shame I needed to like expel. Wow. Like I remember being like, I just feel so terrible. Like I have been idolizing, like I have been doing this and it like, it felt so heavy, but it, it like reshaped everything. And then I had this, like, I had a very like profound conversation with Megan fate, like on Friday morning where mm. I was like, this happened. And like, all like I, I've done this and I like was very apologetic. And then we like prayed and it was like a very mm. sweet moment. Mm. But I remember feeling differently about her. Like there was like a veil undone oh, for me in a lot cool. of ways. Um, and it was interesting because it, it was probably more undone for me than my friend Haley. Like she wasn't quite as like convicted and she wasn't as dramatic as I was. Yeah. Like she was like, yeah, maybe we have been idolizing her. But I don't think, I don't know if for her it even held the same weight it did for me. Like I was putting a lot of spiritual stock and honestly probably self-worth in like my images of Megan and like the possibility of the kind of person I could be. Mm. And it was definitely like an, she was a very important person in my journey, but I look at her now and ever since then, I like feel like a freedom, like a breakage from yeah. her. She's a great person, mm-hmm. but, um, and coming to SU, I like had, there was some still like some tethering or some like ripple effect from Hume Lake. Like there was a few people at SPU who were at like Hume people mm-hmm. and someone who was friends with Megan and I kind of became friends with that person. And at first it was, I think, a little bit like remnants of this. But actually quickly after my freshman year, I was like, wait, actually, these aren't the people that I care about. That's not the vibe mm. I'm looking for. Yeah, you um, had like another conversion experience. Yeah, I kind of did. Um, so I don't know. Now I can look back at Megan and I look at Megan now and I'm like, well, I would like love to have a conversation with Megan now because it would be like, a completely different energy that I could carry. Yeah. I, like, oh, I'm like, like I almost peer to peer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, so, I mean, a lot of that was age, but that experience of having that, like, it was just such like a laid out thing. Like I was, I was so committed in following her. And it was this thing that was like 200 days until Hume, like, and it was wrapped up in this like Hume, like thing. But like, I knew ultimately Megan Fate was like the linchpin for me. Um, so it's like, I think I'm still like so aware of that, that I like, I'm very weary that I could have that tendency. So I try and not have that ever happen again. Um, so I don't know. I'm like, since then I've had like people along the way, I think. Okay. Uh, there's um, an inevitable question coming up here though. Yeah. What's the inevitable question? Where does Tyler Joseph? <laughs> 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 I know, I know. I think he, I think he is probably in a lot of ways guru esque. I was thinking about this. I'm like, what's a muse and what's a guru? Muse, yeah, good point, um, good question. Let's because, be curious because I think he may play a role. Muse in feels muse. right. Muse feels right. Um, there are some aspects of idolatry, probably. Um, I don't think I ever have thought Tyler has all the answers though, mm-hmm. and I think more than anything, I've just always felt home with Tyler. 
Um, and I think muse actually would be a better word. And yet I think I love the indulgence of having that like special person um, that I know a lot about. And like, I think it allows me to live in that other person. So I think Tyler can play that role for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know what you're saying too is like, I'm wondering too, if Kanye has been a guru of sorts. For Probably. Me. That's, that brings up the question of the difference between a muse and a guru. Cause a muse also really resonates for me with Kanye, mm-hmm. but there has been some slight cognitive dissonance with this whole Jesus is King thing. And I've been like, Wow, yeah, maybe to a certain extent I did subconsciously think Kanye had the answers, and this is making me think doesn't have the answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't thought, I, like, I'm, like, sitting here thinking, and I'm like, you know, there's a few, like, significant people in college. Um, like, I know my professor's Neenhouse was played a really significant role, but if I reflect back, I don't think I ever thought he had all the answers. Honestly, the thing that I loved about him was that he, like, was always reminding us that like we had our own answers, um, but also he's pretty self-deprecating that. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he is. Love that. Very I, human. Very human. Yeah. Like one of the humanest humans, and I love him the so humanist much. Humanist humans. Um, another person who honestly probably plays a guru role, though I've only had like two encounters with them, is this person named Deb, who is like a spiritual pastor person at SPU. Um, and she's just played significant. Like honestly, like if I think of the word dark to light, like. She's oh. played some really serious roles in my own life, like holding these retreats. Both of them have helped me to move from some areas of dark and brought light into them. Mm. So like she's played that role and I look at her with like some reverence. I'm like, oh, Deb. But I definitely don't think she has all the answers. And I I don't know. I think uh, I may like have some gurus in more like ideas. Like mm-hmm. if I were to, we were to pull the metaphor more, um, I think on a s- certain mood or a certain day, the Enneagram may play a role of guru to me. Like I can, it, it has oh, at times. Oh, a system. It has at times seemed like um, it's without fault and I don't believe that at all. But I, I definitely have had moments like, there's probably like a month in my whole Enneagram journey where I was like, this is it, it is it it is it and now i'm like okay nothing is ever it nothing is ever um, it. but so i think i can sometimes feel that way when i first begin something like the first month of it i definitely know that i get very impassioned of course in miracles it. of course in miracles doing yoga like i i'm a sharer of the things i love and i like go all in i'm mm-hmm. an all-in kind of person um, <laughs> That's right. it's really fun that's a nice it's a nice thing, <laughs> nice you know, thing. to know you. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, there's probably some people that I maybe just don't know. Like there's probably some people at work who I consider guru like, and yet I definitely don't, I can't ever f- actually think of myself seeing a, a person as not having failures and not having lots of shortcomings. Like, I'm like, that's always going to be a it's lie It's in the past. Me. That's always a lie. You experienced it so intensely with Megan Fate. <laughs> you know, never again. <laughs> it was, like, ridiculous. I wish that, like, one of, like, Haley was here to testify to how ridiculously much I cried all the time. Like, it was just, like, I was so outward. It was so interesting. Yeah, that was never me at a camp. I was always confused by people that were crying. Yeah, I was like that camp kid who was just like crying the whole time. Yeah, interesting. No, I mean, that's pretty, well, I wouldn't say it's normal, 
No, but it's it's a it's a meme. It's a meme. There's kids out there doing. <laughs> there it. are kids out there doing it. <laughs> it probably is the fours. Like I yeah, can picture. They're all just wandering around. <laughs> yeah, um, we've seen it. Yeah, that's my journey. Done. That, there's no more to say about that journey. No, and I'll but it might be fun to someday to post the video of you doing your modesty d- video. Yeah, I don't know if you're so me. nervous. Um, we, they won't uh, let you. Oh, Haley. Yeah, I mean they're super embarrassing. Okay. I'm a, I'm not as embarrassed just because I'm like. They're very funny. They're amazing. They're um, amazing. They're so cringy, everybody. Like, the most cringy things, things that I would hate to... Like, it makes me sad that they're my real. younger self was, like, very invested in these thoughts. Anyways, um, gross to show, we are always changing and evolving, people. What will 10 years from now, Macy, think about these thoughts? <sighs> yeah, you're going to be like, um, oh, my gosh, cringy. Like, oh, my gosh, can I you believe what I said I was 24? I, I will probably say so that. So stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's it like? <laughs> um... We, uh, I don't even think I mentioned this. To, I think it was Haley who had this idea. I don't know of like making remakes of the of the modesty songs, but like liberation songs, Ooh, like anti-modesty. I'll direct know, it. Wouldn't that be interesting? Does that sound weird? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can direct our Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that would be so funny. That would be that amazing. That would be just for us. I'm always trying to get us to remake music videos, though. Part of it was just wanting to make music videos. Who doesn't want to do that in their high school years? Man, that would be good. Yeah. Got to find those videos. Got to get Haley's okay, permission. Okay, here's a guru. Journey. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> All right. Th- we'll come back and we'll do some popping off to wind down. Yep. This, th- that, that was like the stand-up routine. Now we're doing like the floor exercises. We're doing <laughs> the stretches <laughs> to wind down. All right. We'll when come we come back. back. ASMR. We got to do an ASMR too. Um, okay. We're, we're going to unpack some of the concepts now that we've done our journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, some of these actually I'm just doing as placeholders for future. Mm-hmm. But again, in terms of curiosity, less certainty. Um, if you, if you kind of try to picture like a, the image of you clenching your hands mm-hmm. or something, clenching onto something. Picturing it. The, the, the less certainty is letting, easing up. It's easing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I said this one, I think when we did our certainty episode, it's not saying no certainty, mm-hmm. less certainty, like just easing up a little bit, being yeah. curious, asking questions. Open hands. Open hands. So these are some of the tools, I think, or some of the questions that, that help us do that. So, so these are some of the other elements that I think, the way I understand it, go into the the concept of guru, guruing. <laughs> what a weird word, guru guruifying. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm just making these words up. <laughs> like, how 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 does one make someone into a guru? Oh, like how does that happen? Like yeah. what's happening in our brains, mm-hmm. and why are we doing it? Yeah, yeah. So one concept that I would love to really deep dive someday, but think about this. Transference. Transference. Uh, Transference says that essentially at any given moment when you're talking with another person, you're superimposing or projecting at least 
five relationships onto that person. Yep. So I think that's one of the that's one of the problems or blockages we have in terms of how we maybe have a hard time seeing each other for who we are, seeing mm-hmm. diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like, Oh, I've talked to a woman before. I'm talking to another woman. I mean, that's the, that's the really um, ridiculously simple way because that's, that's overt. Mm-hmm. Like transference is usually way more subtle and behind the scenes than that. But um, especially when it comes to leaders, mm-hmm. if I've had an experience with a leader in the past, good or bad, but let's say good in this sense in terms of making a guru. Uh, so now I'm taking that and I'm projecting or transferring it onto this new person. You so, see them without realizing it, you're imposing all your understandings of this other person mm-hmm. on them. Yeah, him? my hopes, mm-hmm. my expectations, um, the, the, the things that I think that person is supposed to be. So again, like a pastor mm-hmm. or a teacher or a leader, if my assumption is, that person is supposed to have the answers or ha- and again, like all the things that come with it, like mm-hmm. a, like a, a wall of books, an office, a station, a position, some degrees, mm-hmm. like these all thing, these all communicate something that my brain attaches to and says this. Yeah. So you person. walk into an office and it's a, a white pastor dude standing there with a bunch of yep. bookcases. You're Here immediately transferring all these other past people who yeah. have played significant roles in your life, these pastors, they're all also in the room and in yeah. that person kind of. Is that... Yeah, yeah, no, to- totally true. And 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 to a certain extent, and I've never had this thought, but here it comes. Here comes a thought. <laughs> I mean, I do work as a youth pastor, and so I, I typically dress uh, slightly less professional, maybe you could say. Mm-hmm. But um, I, do th- I do think there is something about dressing professionally that probably plays into the guruhood. Hmm. You know, um, there's something, there's an argument to be had. I, I wonder, I wonder if it's more important for a dentist or a doctor to, to lean into the guru vibes hmm. in the sense of you really need to trust. I know what I'm doing. It, this isn't the place to mess with your. Well, I mean, that's a different person. That's like an expert. They're like a, a doctor, like a guru is playing Ooh. a different kind of role than like a doctor is. Y- yeah. Yeah. But we're talking about the co- concept of a guru in quotes. Like, okay. Uh, uh, somebody that has the answers. I'm really riffing here. Okay. Cause now I almost want to go back. On what I, I s- okay. Go, said. Keep going. Well, now I'm thinking now, now in terms of transference and being the guru, now I have a thought. Okay. What is it? Well, being a professional and this is, this is what I think people would say including Peter Rollins and including psychoanalysts and stuff like that, that actually it's important to let the transference happen. And that's a very tender, precarious relationship. So people actually do need to have that relationship. So like essentially when you start a relationship with an analyst, essentially it's, it is actually important for them to initially have a sense that you are the guru and the relate and the, and the process is weaning them off that, assumption Mm -hmm. and i I was gonna say pastors should just mess with that they should always just wear silly clothes and act goofy but it's like actually that probably is a mockery of the role yeah yeah so the weaning people off of that expectation is it seems like an art form there's still a role i think there's i I do i do think there's a role i think 
Peter, who we both listen to this podcast, everybody, where Peter, what is his like phrasing? The, of what? Like, the, and what does he say with gurus? Like the new guru? <laughs> I don't know. I forget. I forget his <laughs> phrasing. But part of it is this idea that like a true guru or like the right kind of guru is like... Oh, maybe, yeah, the, the true guru or the right guru. Or, or I guess, but he wouldn't say that. There isn't, like, a true guru. Yeah. But, like, there are... It is important to have... I mean, he says the last guru. The last guru. Yeah. Yep. Um, there is, like, a role to be played by people to... Maybe, like, a shepherd feels mm-hmm. like a, a more fitting word for what someone could play. Oh, that's it. You just did it. I mean, he hasn't even said that. You know, like, they're shepherding you out of your addiction to guruhood. Yeah. But they have to be the guru first to do it. You buy in with you that You buy into thought. it and you follow them. And, and then, then and they, then they slowly leave. back the up. The end of the journey is, I was never the guru. Like, this is, you have it within you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. So complicated. Very complicated. Yeah. All these words. So transference, I mean, aside from guruhood, it's a very interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. And we it, could do a whole episode on transference because I, I only know of transference from what you've shared with it with me. Well, just think about it. I mean, <laughs> you're looking at me and without helping I know it, what people probably for sure, probably almost all older white men, my dad. And so mm-hmm. he was always mm-hmm. being transferred in mm-hmm. that situation. And I've actually probably same for all older white women. My mom. Yeah. Just transferred into that. I think I've told you this to your face, but like I, I, I think of my mom a lot of times with you just in the energy you bring. <laughs> you know? I, I don't know what other people I'd be superimposing. I really have to think about it. Um you could you could potentially say other youth group kids I've known, yeah. you know, that have yeah. a certain similar energy. Yeah, that's interesting. We're not doing it on purpose. <laughs> Nope, it's just out there happening. <laughs> but my mom was an artist, is an artist, you know, and so there is something very like familiar about all that, you know. <laughs> yeah, these feelers out here. Yeah. Um. So okay, transference. I I think that's as far as I need to go. Do you want to talk about envy and scapegoating? I kind of do, but yeah, like please. I don't want to overwhelm the podcast this week. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> this is a podcast where we just share our <laughs> offhanded opinions. Oh no, stop sharing I, your opinions. Is, this this is this is a, a tangential, uh, but but it's a, an adjacent topic. I feel like like we're here for it, y'all. Let's I be curious like, about some adjacent yeah. topics towards <laughs> guruness. Well, I think. I, the way I understand it is that sometimes also uh, the guru has something we don't have that we want. Yep. And apparently the way scapegoating works, or one of the ways scapegoating works, is is start. It's the root of it is envy. Mm-hmm. So somebody has something that we want, and we can't. Um, f- we don't. The the envy is so just dis- uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like, honestly, like this is a meta, Christianity is a meta version of this. We have to kill and have a blood sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and so um, it, my, my wife and I listened to three episodes of a podcast on the way back from a trip we were just on. And I actually listening to these podcasts, I was able to name four different people in my life that I've scapegoated at mm-hmm. least. I could name more, but these were three very, cl- there was a pattern. Mm-hmm. Apparently also it really manifests itself more, most clearly in family systems. Like mm-hmm. you said, typically every family will have a scapegoat mm-hmm. and essentially the, I can see there that will line. be a, a kid or person in the family who will have to bear the sin or the burden of the family. Like mm. they can't look at it and they need to transfer it on to mm. another person. Mm. And 
excommunicate them or at least be the person that constantly gets blamed for the family problems. <laughs> and it's to a certain extent, he said it's being a scapegoat is a very noble Christ-like thing. It's like, I'm bearing the burdens of my family. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and then, and then he talked about it with a family systems on a bigger level in terms of churches. Yeah. And he yeah. said in churches, you know, they're notorious for scapegoating people internally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and typically it has to do with envy or the person has something that the family or the church doesn't have Yeah, and they yeah. can't tolerate that and because they can't look at themselves. That's fascinating. Excommunicated. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, in terms of... I think of I can see it in my all- family structure and it's like... It's like... Sh- Big. It's trippy to think it's about, right? And pretty about. sad. And mm-hmm. it can lead to some really good conversations, I feel like, if people can talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I think... It's I, a shameful thing. Nobody nobody wants to admit that they scapegoat. Or that they are the scapegoat. That's a shameful yeah. thing and sad thing to admit, too, to know, to look back and to... I think I'd rather know that I've been scapegoated than, know, than be the mm, scapegoater. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think I know I've been scapegoated, you know? So I almost think, I almost feel like guru, this is again riffing, guruhood is on the opposite end of the spectrum of scapegoating. Like there's there's similar textures to these things like okay. envy and transference and guruhood sort of um, <laughs> raises up the figure and scapegoating sort of cuts out the figure. Oh, I you know? see, I see. So you see them as like this a potential like scale. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, sca- the root of scapegoating s- sounded a lot like interjection. Mm. Like, um, your, your internalizing or swallowing up this person, you know, it's really complicated. Obviously, I think, I think I can, I, I am, I am feeling convicted. <laughs> Let me just put that out there to the universe. I mean, I would love for you to listen to these three episodes. I have so many podcast episodes I want to let you listen to. I don't, I'm not going to use my card on that one. Oh I don't my think. Gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can see. I now make, we're both I so busy listening to podcasts, everybody that I've gotten to the point where I know, like if I make an official request, I have to be frugal with that with Macy. <laughs> Because I want to listen to just my own podcast yeah. that I like to listen. So I try not to send a lot these days. I send you podcasts and you don't listen to most of them, I think. I would say 70%. I don't know. Okay. You send me mostly Susan Stabile these days. I send you Susan Stabile or yeah. Beautiful Anonymous probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, honestly, everybody look that stuff up. Scapegoating, transference. Look it up. Yeah, if anything, um, hopefully our guru. podcast just encourages you to go look stuff up. Yeah. Um, it causes us to do weird things, envy and transference. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm thinking a lot about it these days. Yeah, yeah. All right, now you're going to have another totally entirely personal spin. A personal spin. Okay, popping off. I don't know. Okay, so I'll just share with y'all. Um, I shared my nice idolatry journey. And then uh, from there, I think... Uh, I haven't had anyone up until now who I would consider much of like a spiritual director type person that mm. felt, I don't, I don't know. This is, this is an interesting thing up. I continued to be in church spaces mm-hmm. post all of that thing. Um, but up in, up here, 
at the church I went to, there wasn't any like leader that I felt strong feelings towards following. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't like a threat to my potential guru-ness. Um, but I do feel honestly like at this yoga practice that I do, the teacher, it's the same teacher every week. And he does often like, honestly in my life, he plays a, a similar role to, he doesn't call himself a guru. Um, and I don't think he would want to be called a guru. Um, but maybe his own guru. Uh, uh, right, right. But he is a spiritual leader of sorts who I do see helping to play a role of moving us towards light. And um, so I talked a bit about how, like, the Enneagram itself can sometimes be, like, a guru-type thing, and it's a teaching Um and I think that going to this yoga practice and learning from this teacher, Sam Sada, um, has, he's helped me to do and embody a lot of things and experience myself in a way that I hadn't before. So he does play a role in terms of my, my own spirituality, but I don't really see it as being him. I like really do look at it. And I'm like, well, no, I'm actually the one who's doing the encountering. I'm doing the breath. I'm doing the work. I'm doing mm. meditation. Mm. Um, it's me showing up and me le- like giving my full breath that like allows me to encounter myself. Um, and honestly in the past like two months, like all the teaching that happens cause I don't like Mike yoga set. It's like, he begins with like 20 minutes of like kind of like rantings and their thoughts and their random things. But it's usually like, I really do have to come to this. Cause I'm like, what? Every time we talk about, it, I'm like, what the, are you talking about? Yeah. And then we like move into a warm up and all these things. But, um, the whole point of it, if there's a point is to <laughs> allow us space to relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole practice is centered around, um, like experiencing yourself And a lot of it is like we're reminded throughout the whole thing of like you are your teacher, like you are teaching yourself and like you can encounter yourself and like like be in line with like who you are and like like your place in the cosmos and like you can vibrate the cosmos and you like you can experience it. I know. This is I, legit. I it's sound legit. so like hippie, and yet it's. Yeah, you, I think mystical is a better word. I think mystical is probably a, a. It that feels like a more fitting word. Um, and so like, I do feel like in a lot of ways I've found a quote unquote guru of sorts, and yet I am like as Peter was sharing, like I was listening to this podcast, and Peter's like, "This is the kind of guru, like." that like could be helpful is someone who lets you see that you're on your own guru. I'm like, Oh cool. Like that is like the person I've somebody that shows you that they are struggling just like you. Mm-hmm. They get that they, they don't have the answers, but they're trying. Yeah. Which Sada yeah. really definitely does. Like, yeah. I mean the whole, the whole practice I'm always like, I literally am trying to get Scott to go to yoga every week. I'm like, dude, you want to I'm going to go. To I really am. Um, because it is like a, it's a very like sacred encounter with like humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very aware of how human Sada is. There's no getting around that. Mm-hmm. There's not like hiding any of that. Um, and he'll often be like, this is what works for me, you know, but like, 
do what you can. Don't worry about what you can't do. Like, you know yourself better than anyone else. So, like, listen to yourself. Oh, it's you, so refreshing. It's so refreshing. I started doing yoga in seminary. It's the same thing. You know, he's like the guy that I was. I still follow to this day. He'll just say stuff like that. He'll, he'll be like, now put put one arm down on the ground, put your right arm in the air, and, he, and then he'll stop and be like, now, I just gave you some instructions, but I have no idea. Maybe you had surgery in your wrist a few weeks ago. Don't listen to me. Yeah. You know, why, why would you listen to me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love yeah. that. I'm like, yeah. good point. But that applies to the rest of your life. Like somebody says, do something. They don't know you. They don't know your background, their experience. Only you know. Yeah. It's a really beautiful and empowering concept. It really is. And, and a true factual concept. There's. Okay. I'm about to go slightly tangent, but this is something that. I think is interesting and something that I'm just now learning about slash I think I would invite everybody. I think I might read something. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I want to do a montage of that phrase. I think I might read something. (laughs) Um, Take for this what you can. Um, I think all teaching has a place and we can learn something from all things. So if this is like really weird for you to wrap your mind around, like maybe ease up some of that tension and weirdness you have. Um, Cause I'm about to talk a bit astrology. All right. <laughs> you kind of mumbled <laughs> <So>. that. <laughs> um, which I think one day we will and should have an astrology episode. We'd have to get an expert. Here's what I want to say here. about astrology. Don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Was brought up to be scared of it. Not scared of it now. And finally, what I'll say I've realized is astrology can be mishandled just like anything else and is probably out there oftentimes being mishandled. Mm-hmm. But just like Christianity mm-hmm. and just like other things, Enneagram, mm-hmm. um, we probably discredit it by the people we see mishandling it. Mm-hmm. And there are people that use astrology well and know about astrology in ways that I don't, that I could learn a lot from. Yeah. I think astrology, it falls along the lines of it's, it's a really wonderful, um, spiritual, it can be a really wonderful spiritual practice and intellectual practice and self-awareness practice. We have a very understanding astrology, mysterious relationship with the stars and the universe. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the more I think about it, Um, it's kind of spooky in a good way. I'm using spooky. spooky in a good way. Okay, so so everybody, get <laughs> this. We so when I go to yoga, I often hear like this this phrase used. We're in the age of Aquarius now. We're in the age of Aquarius. The Aquarian age is upon us. We're in that now. Uh, I want to sing the song, but I won't. Everybody's singing it as you say. Everyone's <laughs> singing the song. We could insert the song mm-hmm. here. Um, and I didn't really like know what it meant, and until like I've you know research what does that even mean um but one thing that was always talked about is we're in the age of aquarium where like we're no longer living in like we're no longer in a hierarchical structure but things have been like flattened out and opened up oh it's more of a don't know anything about this actually so so i'm probably i'm probably gonna read it but the age of aquarius is calling us into this idea we are our own gurus. Wow. It's, it's opening us up to that. Ooh. Like, that's that's more of an Aquarian age way of thinking. And that's why we've seen from, like, the 60s 
and on kind of this like expansion of yoga and these spiritual practices being brought out because there there's a different way in which like the universe is working in a completely different way. And every 2000 years we enter new ages. So we're actually like in, it started in like 2011 or 2012 based on different people's opinions. Um, but we're in the age of Aquarius now, but since the sixties we've been in that transition from the Piscean like wow. age to the Aquarian age. Okay. This I'm is, really in over my head right now. You didn't know you like getting it. into this. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this thing. Um, what are these ages? Astronomers will tell you that the Earth rotates on an axis, and that this line going through the center of the Earth has a slight wobble to it. It goes through a little circular wobble about once every twenty four thousand years. This cycle has been broken into twelve parts associated with twelve astrological signs, based on which constellation the axis is wobbling towards. From 2000 BC to 0 AD, we were in the age of Aries. From 0 AD to the present, we've been in the age of Pisces. For the next 2000 years, we will be in the Aquarian age. We have been in the transition from the Piscean age to the Aquarian age for the last 50 years. Wow. Okay. Are you with me still? I am with you. Um, why is it important? Many people go their whole lives not even caring or knowing about Pisces or a Gemini or what their moon or rising sign is. This change to the Aquarian age is so important because it changes the astrological conditions for the entire planet. Every person on planet Earth has been and will be affected by this shift. Let's investigate what will be changing. Holy smokes. The Piscean age has been dominated by a hierarchy and power. The key phrase for this age was from Shakespeare's Hamlet, to be or not to be. To make a successful and happy life, you needed to resolve this question. The key to the astrological sign Pisces is I believe. During this age, in order for you to be, you needed to be someone or find something to believe in. Whoa. When you found Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting fired up. When you found that thing, you attached yourself to that thing and were guided how to live. This Whoa. could be a religion, a political ideology, a charismatic leader, work, etc. Whoa. The keys to life were hidden and secret in the halls of power and in the monasteries and ashrams. But you didn't need to know these secrets, only to follow leaders and guides who did. This is it. This is it. I know. I know. It is. <laughs> this, created a vert this created vertical hierarchies as a result, and it was essential for you to find your place in the pecking order. This has been the foundation for human consciousness for the past 2,000 years. Everything that you have learned from your parents and they from their parents going back 2,000 years has been colored by this Piscean frame of reference. And now that is all changing. The Aquarian age will be dominated by networks and information. Ooh. The key phrase for this age is be to be. The key to the astrological mm. sign Aquarius is I know. This is the age of information. Nothing is secret anymore. All information is available at your fingertips. Where the Piscean Age was organized in a vertical up and down stru structure of hierarchies, the Aquarian Age is organized in a horizontal network opening the world up to true equality. Oh, oh. During, during this age, the focus <laughs> is no longer... What can be said? <laughs> I know. It's just like all so much. <laughs> during this age, the focus is no longer on your identity and existence but on accepting yourself as a whole person who does not need to believe in something outside of yourself. <sighs> you are ready to accept that you have the knowledge and wisdom within yourself. It is no longer necessary to attach to something outside yourself, but to become a leader of one, yourself. Instead of being a railroad car that is pulled by an engine, you become your own engine. It is your responsibility to stay on the tracks and keep moving forward. 
Holy smokes. With this understanding, it is easier to comprehend what has been happening in the world over the last 50 years. On the inner level, since the 1960s, there's been a huge movement towards personal transformation, self-awareness, self-improvement, yoga, meditation, tai chi, alternative healing, natural foods, etc. There's also been a major increase in depression, suicide, anxiety, stress, drug use, both pharmaceutical and recreational. In the outer world, do, can I keep going? Please. Great. In the outer world, we have seen amazing changes. Civil rights, environmental consciousness, women's rights, gays' rights, global consciousness, etc. We have also seen the rise of fundamentalism, terrorism, partisan politics, racism, xenophobia, the fear of the other, and general fear-mongering. This shift is bringing out the best and worst in humankind. Some people are preparing for the shift by opening their hearts and minds and embracing this new age. And some people are intimidated by the changes that they don't understand and want to return to a golden age in the past or to circle the wagons and trust only those who are like themselves. Transforma transformation is never a painless process. When you fast or cleanse to purify your body, at first you feel worse because toxins get stirred up in order to be eliminated. Once these poisons have been cleared, you feel lighter and more energized. Now imagine that every person on planet Earth is going through this shift. We are heading into a time of radical change. It is a time of great potential growth and expansion, but it is also a time for great potential pain and suffering. The more you understand what is happening, the more that you can go through all the changes without losing your balance and stability. Duh. These are some thoughts. This is by... Uh, these are some thoughts. This was written by uh, Santo... Santok Sin Khalsa? I'm probably really... Uh, in order for me to accept well. this information, I would need to see that person in an office surrounded by books wearing a suit. Well, you would not get that. Okay, I well then I, I won't listen. Um, <laughs> this is a practicing Kundalini yogi. I'm totally kidding. Um. <laughs> I hope you know that. <laughs> goes back to my issues with attachment and transference. Um, reading that, I'm like, <sighs> speaks so much. And this is also... I sense this, and this is something that, like, in a lot of ways, having this, like, succinct thing helps me to, like, grapple a lot of the ideas that are brought up in my practice. Um, but I feel it, and I sense it, and I'm like, yeah, we're in the Aquarian age. I'm also an Aquarius, so. Oh, funny. I know. I don't know what to, much about what it means to be a Leo. Every time I read about it, it's not true, but I feel like that's because I don't understand or read it correctly. Yeah, there's but. a lot more aspects besides um, the first thing. But it, yeah, it, what, what do you what, think of the Aquarian I, age? I'm going to riff a little bit on that because what, what did it start in the 50s or something, 60s, Aquarian the, age? The ship, I mean, it changed mm -hmm. in 2011, but people would say that like the, oh, it was the coming last 50 or something? years the dawning the of the age of Aquarius. Yeah, yeah. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. I mean, that's I've been what it's to sing it to. so bad. I mean, this that whole time. song is actually speaking to that. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> the like that uh, song's. Uh, when were you born? I was born in the Piscean age, 1995. Okay, so I've lived in both. You've lived in both, but I've lived mostly in the Piscean. Right, and I've lived mostly in the Aquarian. Aquarius. Yeah, Aquarian. so I think about, I, th I don't know. I mean, really, really riffing on this stuff. I'm not saying I'm like all buying into it, although I am, <laughs> whatever that means. I mean. It, it, speak, it, it may speak to some truth to the situation right now. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will say this. <laughs> I approach it with a healthy amount of skepticism, just like you should anything. anything. Enneagram, Christianity, religion, spirituality, yoga, gurus, yourself, mm -hmm. curiosity, less mm -hmm. certainty. <laughs> Having said that, sounds interesting. Also, I, I just, whatever it is in terms of generations, like I think I'm technically Generation X. I think technically you're a millennial. 
I think so. Uh, and it it is it is interesting that I really my experience in my life currently with the changes that are occurring in the world, even again everybody. We always have the craziest conversations off mic. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's probably the better podcast because it's it would know. be like a a reality show <laughs> <laughs> into the human psyche. Yeah, big heavy. We're just emotional. We're both emotional. I think we probably just are like right in the center of that gap when we're having those conversations. Yeah, it's sad, weird. Floating. <laughs> <laughs> just so everyone knows in between those in between we had a, a bit of a existential emotional it's wrapped into uh, intellectualism though I as know, well we're analyzing we're analyzing our emotions and, yeah. Yeah, okay sorry keep going oh i would just say uh, my experience is that i am like a bridge or, or or i'm in between you can tell yeah yeah like i'm not fully at ease with the changes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come natural, although I'm paying attention and listening and trying to grow. Right. Nobody needs to clap for that or anything. I'm just like, I'm doing, I'm doing Nobody the was. bare minimum. You know? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I'm, I hope nobody's listening. Like, we don't, I'm going to cut you off before you even make the <laughs> comment. Who is expect us to clap for him? You know, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just trying to be human. Um, but generally, People that are 20 years older than me have a much harder time with these changes, mm-hmm. generally speaking. People that are younger, 20 years than me, don't even think about it. They're just like, this is life. Mm-hmm. This is how the world works. And I'm in the middle being like, uh, you know, th- it's not a burden. It's it's just a, it's just a very disorienting thing. It's a place. Yeah, it's a place. It's yeah. a place. <laughs> I think it's interesting because I would be curious. I mean, this shift only happens every 2,000 years, so it's not like we have any. There's. Oh, man, what a trippy thing to think about. It's a trippy thing to think about. Like, it's this, all this, like, big, like, big, vast things to say. For 2,000 years, this is the way people were thinking. And now we're now entering another completely different way for the next 2,000 years. Like, it's bold. It feels very (laughs) bold. Um, and it's, I'm overwhelmed. Like a hundred years ago, <laughs> would people have been thinking like, do we think the same about like, just, is that just what we feel towards younger generations? Although this does seem to speak to a lot of things happening, like the age of information, and the oh. vastness of and the oh. spreading of this. And like, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, that's does. The difference. No, I was saying this, I was saying this recently, somebody I was talking to. The whole new w- world. Was talking to me in the Piscean way. Hmm. You know, th- and, and that was how I grew up. So I get it. I yeah. know I know the language they're speaking because I grew up that way. Right. And yet I don't know when it happened, but I... Right, internet, and I think I kind of things. grew up with a more Aquarian, like this is mm-hmm. the, Absolutely. the Aquarian age way to be. Yeah, because by the time you were old enough, I mean, you were fully in it, you know? I'm so glad we're going all <laughs> in on this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there is that, and this goes with Guru too. This person was trying to tell me or convince me of a certain way of thinking because this older learned person thought it hmm. and thought and thought right. you could tell that, that they were saying it and thought that I would so obviously get on board because this other person said it. And You're I was like, like, no, I can go I figure it out. I can go look that up on the internet. I, I don't need that person. Yeah. You think that's the end of the conversation? 
Yeah. Like that's not how it works anymore. But but when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you really did essentially have a pastor with their books mm-hmm. who went to seminary, mm-hmm. and you didn't know how to get those books. You never read them. You never. You didn't even know where to find that information. Yeah. So it was like, what's the pastor say? Go yeah. ask the pastor. They they'd read the books. Now it's like, the pastor really can be the pastor. The pastor can like care for you, pray for you, tend to you, but they don't necessarily have the answers. Right. And I don't. I don't. I don't think many people are going to churches looking for answers anymore. But that might be the big disconnect. Maybe yeah. we're solving all the problems for people. Stop all your research and polling, everybody. We figured it out. The millennials and younger people aren't going for the answers. Because, yeah. But if you're like 50 and up as a pastor, you probably think, oh, they're coming for answers. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like everything I hear <laughs> around this really does speak to crazy my experience. If that makes sense. You know, as it gets talked about, I'm like, this does seem to make sense. Okay, can I read? I'm I can't read. I'm going to read. Um I just need to to find it. Um there's five um like oh go ahead. One I'll just as you're looking up, one of the things I'll say is like I've always thought about the podcast, like it's a conversation. So maybe times it gets off the rails and out of control, but I, I do like to think of like any casual conversation at a party. This is how it goes. Somebody brings up astrology, then somebody brings up this transference thing, and it's like we're just recording it. But m- most conversations, if you recorded them, would be pretty crazy. Oh, for you know? sure, for sure. <laughs> um, give me one moment, everybody. Okay, there are five sutras of the Aquarian age, um, which are. Sutras figuratively and literally are threads that string life together. They are words to live by. Um, and so there's five sutras that are often reminded to live in the Aquarian age. And yeah. these are like wise threads to live by. Um, so here they all s- say them. And yeah. <laughs> the first one is recognize that the other person is you. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Can't argue with that. Two, there is a way through every block. Three, when the time is on you, start and the pressure will be off. Ah, this one is so fascinating to me. That and speaks I, to it, me this right spe- now. This one is like very profound to me. Um, four, yeah, send these to me later. <laughs> I will. Understand through compassion or you will misunderstand the times. Ooh. Oh, it's big. <laughs> and then lastly, vibrate the cosmos. The cosmos shall clear the path. Jeez. These are the the five sutras to live by in the Aquarian age. So maybe let's maybe do it. Stick, let's do it, everybody. Maybe let's commit. think about one of those <laughs> and see how it feels. But what, is it, what does it all have to do? Don't make a guru out of it. <laughs> what does this have to do with gurus, in your opinion? What does this have to do with gurus? Oh, I mean, this whole thing is this new way to see the guru. Mm-hmm. So, like, gurus up until this point have actually always been seen as these people who have this knowledge mm-hmm. like there ha like the guru's role has been to be like as long as you're in line and there's gurus out there or leaders it's fine to be in line but the aquarian age invites us all to be our own gurus like that's what the aquarian age is yeah, i believe in, in that i believe it, in it spiritually mystically intellectually psychologically so scott's I, really going well all you in. know what i mean i i really just think this is this is where i'm at in life tell us i am a Christian. I think I'm also intrigued by language. Mm-hmm. And language, 
I think the way we were brought up, I was brought up in particular, is like you have to be speaking Christian language in order for me to listen to what you're saying. Hmm. But 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 they were saying similar things here. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like, did you get this from the book of Matthew? You know, it's like. No, but you it's know, speaking to me and it's but, profound and it's helping me to love yeah, lead with compassion better. Lead with compassion. Uh, I mean, what was the one about acting now and moving when the now? time is on start and the pressure will be off. That's great. Oh, oh <laughs> it's big. It's yeah. big. Yeah, no, no, I like it. Um, how, um, how has this stuff been, not just those like values or the age of Aquarius and all that, but like the yoga, the Kundalini, these things, how, how has it been impacting your life lately? Um, I, without trying to sound like I'm over exaggerating the effect it's had, but like legitimately this year in the past, I keep saying six months, but I don't know what the timeline is. I have like given myself space to actually be myself Hmm. and yoga. And honestly, like these moments of deep relaxation of encountering myself has helped me to see like, Oh, like, I can like I have had experiences with myself I've never had before hmm. um, that can carry me in my day to day. Like I can find myself now. Like there's been certain situations where I have felt overwhelmed and like found my breath, and I'm like, I'm right okay. here. I'm here. I'm um, here. And like, hmm. also, it's it's these teachings combined with the experience of it and like having the meditative practice and the the ways to like having the ability to go and have a leader or a teacher who helps you through the Korea and then we also like play the gong and like I feel it like mm. I feel vibrating the cosmos like Ooh. that that one like Dang. actually like speaks to me I'm like no I know what that feels like to have like like a moment or a sense that like I am much, I'm beyond this body and yet I'm in this body at the same time. Um, It's, I do it every week and have this experience. And when I don't have it, I can tell. Yeah. Um, And I've, I've obviously known you noticed you being in the last six months to a year, Way less anxious. Way more at peace. Significantly less anxious. Significantly yeah. less anxious. Um, I'm more confident. Mm-hmm. More self assured. Yeah. More happy. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's uh, this does not mean at all. I'm not ever anxious and not ever happy. Right, of course, right. but um, I feel more grounded. Significantly more grounded, as well as really, truly, like. No, I am my own teacher. Like, I have so much to learn from myself, and like, I can get in touch with myself, and there's infinite wisdom within me, Mm -hmm. and that I am like an infinite light, and that there's like, I mean, Kundalini, the like word root comes from this idea of like a hair being uncoiled. And it's like we're doing the work of like uncoiling that like long hair. Dang, and you're like, bringing the heat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we start talking about gurus, and now we're talking about all this other now stuff. Now we're talking about this stuff. I'm, this is me just like pulling Scott to come and do this practice with Ooh, me. Oh, I've got to come now. Um, yeah, I, in a lot of ways, it's 
it's like in my soul, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's in who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, I can't, I can't speak That's that good morning. stuff. So. We should just. Should we. Cut out the first half and put that at the beginning. <laughs> <I think laughs> that was so. really I good stuff. Like first half was great. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Okay. Should we um, close with. A blessing. A blessing. Do you have any other thoughts? Everybody, don't make gurus of people. Don't make gurus of people. Everybody's I'm, I'm human. I'm probably making an idol of my yoga practice. No one has the answers. The answers are inside of you. Yep. They are all along. It's hard work. Recognize Defense mechanisms. the other is you. Recognize that the other is you. Um, get to know yourself. I do think... Um, I've almost sent you these five sutras like four different times. Send them. <laughs> send them. Send it. That, that's someday I would love to have Dave is on and his uh, strange negotiations documentary is out today and I might watch a little bit of it when I got get home. Wow, Dave is on with a, a documentary. Potential mild guru in my life, but I don't think I ever reached full guru status. But a, a good inspirational muse, 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 status. muses. We could do yeah. a whole episode on muses. And his new album, which will end up being one of my favorite albums of the year. He has this, I think I've probably mentioned on the podcast, but the lines in it are just, he's, his music has always had this impact on me. Um, one of the lines is, if you can find good vibrations, they'll try to tell you that you're in danger. Hmm. So it's like, as you're growing up, as you're getting to know yourself, if you feel good, somebody will hmm. be like, what? Watch out, you know? Hmm. And it just really turns you against yourself and it, it inhibits your ability to figure out who you are. And that resonates with me. Yeah. And then one of the other lines is, I refuse to be that separate from the blood of my own blood, flesh of my own flesh and the blood of my own blood. And so it's just like this idea of like, I it want to get intimately acquainted with who I am. Mm. And people out there are trying to short circuit that beautiful process. And it's strange. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And I feel all those things still. I still have residual paranoia about all that like oh yeah. a good feeling whoa uh-oh, whoops oh you know mm. stepped over a line oh can't and i not, not even a curiosity about what the good feeling was it's not like e- even the idea yeah, of entertaining the idea of like maybe i had a good feeling and and maybe eventually i need to learn to put some boundaries around that good feeling but can i at least figure out what that good feeling is and mm. where it's coming from you mm. can't even do that you can yeah you can it's hard get yeah. Name your gurus, everybody. That's the <laughs> takeaway from this. Just think about it. <laughs> Who are you giving too much power in your life? Look internally. Yep. Okay. Okay. I'm going to close with this blessing. One that I think will hopefully become potentially like a tradition for us to sometimes close with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget what it's called. It's by Jan Richardson, who is... Probably a guru of mine, or a muse. Probably a muse of mine. Um, Jane Richardson, to be honest. Um, Okay. Hear this word. On the day you are wearing your certainty like a cloak, and your sureness goes before you like a shield or like a sword. May the sound of God's name spill from your lips as you have never heard it before. May your knowing be undone. May your mystery confound your understanding. May the divine rain down in strange syllables, yet with an ancient familiarity of knowing born in the blood, the ear, the tongue, bringing clarity that comes not in stone or in steel, but in fire, in flame. May there come one searing word, enough to bear you to the bone, enough to set your heart ablaze, enough 
to make you whole again.